Our need to stand still in a world filled with chaos and uncertainty has never been more important. You are invited to take this moment to wrap your heart and mind in narratives from the Hebrew scriptures, connect to its deep guidance, and move toward practices for encountering the presence of God in your life. Thanks for listening today to the Spirituality for Ordinary People podcast. I'm your host, Matt Bruff. The following recording is part of a series called Be Still and Behold, 10 Weeks Exploring God's Presence in the Hebrew Scriptures. It was recorded in Winnipeg, Canada, for Prairie Presbyterian Church, where I am the pastor. This is part two, God in a Dream and a Wrestling Match. We acknowledge that we are gathered on Treaty 1 land, first entrusted by Creator God to the Anishinaabe, Cree, Oji Cree, Dakota, and Dene peoples, the homeland of the Red River Métis. Where can I go? Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee? Where can I flee from your presence? You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. Where can I go? Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee? Where can I flee from your presence?
Prayer of Confession is inspired by Psalm 139, which we will read in many different ways through the summer. Normally, when I lead liturgy, I use we language as we are coming together as the church. And when I speak, I'm praying on behalf of all of us. However, this psalm lends itself so well to I language. And so our prayer this morning is a little bit different. I invite you to join me as we pray. Oh, Lord, you know absolutely everything about me. You see my every move. You see into my heart and my mind. You know the deepest longings of my soul and all my yearnings. You know my strengths, all the things I do so well, and all my challenges, even those I do not want to admit to myself. And yet somehow, you still love me. I come before you today in full view, knowing that there is nothing I cannot hide. I lay myself bare before your presence, confessing all that I have done. I have been selfish, I have been arrogant, I have been envious. I have put myself in the center instead of you. I have doubted, I have ignored, and I have abandoned. While my actions may appear pure of heart, my thoughts don't always match. I harbor resentment and anger, even as I work to serve your kingdom. I have let myself succumb to the darkness. As I journey throughout my days, search me, guide me, consume all the darkness within me. Shine your light upon me and bring me peace. Amen. And friends, hear the good news. Nothing we can ever do can separate us from the love of God. He has formed us, shaped us, and knows us intimately. He sees the depths of our hearts and loves us the same. In God, there is no darkness, but the night is as light as day. Know today that you are not only forgiven, but loved in the most beautiful and incomprehensible ways. Amen. Wherever and whenever you are, I invite you to take time to share the peace of Christ with those around you whether it be through a phone call, a text message, or time spent with a loved one. As Christ has given us peace, let us share it with one another. Jacob left Beersheba and went towards Haran. He came to a certain place and stayed there for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place. And he dreamed that there was a staircase on the earth, 
the top of it reaching to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And the Lord stood beside him and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, the God your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and your offspring. And your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And all the families of the earth shall be blessed in you and in your offspring. Know that I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob woke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place! This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. So Jacob rose early in the morning, and he took the stone that he had put under his head and set it up for a pillar and poured oil on top of it. The same night... He got up and took his family and crossed the ford of the Jacó. He took them and sent them across the stream, and likewise everything that he had. Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he struck him on the hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, Let me go, for the day is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then the man said, you shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with humans and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, For I have seen God face to face, and yet my life is preserved. Then the sun rose upon him as he passed Peniel, limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the Israelites do not eat the thigh muscle that is on the hip socket, because he struck Jacob on the hip socket at the thigh muscle. We heard two events that are both part of Jacob's story. The first one is Jacob's dream, where there's a staircase or a ladder with angels ascending and descending on it. This ladder isn't something for us to climb. Rather, it's just identifying the location as this connection point between heaven and earth, between divine and human. Sometimes this is called a thin place. A thin place is where uh, somehow we encounter the divine or something spiritual Um, that's centered around a particular location, but it could be centered around a particular activity as well. So sometimes it might be uh, a church building or a particular site, or sometimes it's through a pilgrimage to a place or something like that, or by walking through a labyrinth or a forest or um, going into a cathedral. There are these thin places that we um, somehow, something mystical or something divine seems to happen in these places for us as human beings that we uh, can describe. Um, They tended to be explained as thin places in Celtic spirituality, actually in Celtic Christianity, uh, these thin places where there's this connection point between divine and human. 
And maybe that's what's going on here in Jacob's dream. The setting for his dream is in a place called Luz, which he ends up renaming as Bethel. It's a place that's just north of Jerusalem. I always think it's kind of interesting that this doesn't happen in Jerusalem because later we'll find out that Jerusalem becomes the site of the temple, which is then kind of the permanent thin place for this human and divine interaction. It doesn't happen there. It happens in another place that's just north of there. The other setting of this story is the dream itself. So is it so much that he is in Bethel or is it more that it's the dream that's the place for this thin place? In any case, in this moment, there's this incredible vision of basically heaven's entryway. And also we have God in the story standing beside Jacob. And something that's really important here is that it's really clear that it's God. God is just simply named as being right there, standing right next to him. He's standing beside. And I really like this idea of standing beside. As we think about our own lives, where are the thin places where God is already standing beside you? So in this dream, there's this beautiful moment It's actually quite a positive experience that Jacob has. And he receives a promise from God and the promise is really incredible. So God stands beside him and God says, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father and the God of Isaac, the land on which you lie will, I will give to you and to your offspring and your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And then God says this to Jacob. All the families of the earth shall be blessed in you and in your offspring. Think of the magnitude of that promise. All the families of the earth, all of the tribes, all of the nations of the earth will be blessed in you or through you and through your offspring. And God continues and says, know that I am with you and will keep you wherever you go. Know that I am with you. So as we reflect on the presence of God and what it means to have God present in our lives, how might we claim this same promise? I will be with you and will keep you wherever you go. And God continues and says, I will bring you back to this land for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. And then there's a piece that we didn't read out earlier. Um, And this is where he renames the place where he was. Uh, He called it Bethel and Bethel just means house of God. So Beth meaning house and El meaning God. And uh, so we read about that and, and we read about Jacob making a vow and saying, if God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey that I am taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's household, then the Lord will be my God. And this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. So he basically had this stone that he was, that he'd used to, as a pillow. So he put his head on the stone and went to sleep. And when he woke up after this amazing dream, he took the stone and set it up as a pillar and said, this is uh, going to be God's house, is this pillar that is being set up here. That action of taking the stone and setting it up, he's doing something that we do actually all the time in human culture. He's commemorating an event or a place. Right? We do this as well. We have statues or we have markers or we have gravestones. Um, and they are things that um, are set up 
that are something concrete, something tangible that'll help us remember or remind us of what the experience was. They, they represent that to us. And so as we think about, again, thin places in our life, where do we experience God or how do we experience God? You may also want to think about how do you commemorate that? How do you do something concrete that connects to that? Even maybe some of our spiritual practices, we've encouraged creative practice. That might be the result of that. You might have something concrete so that when you see that, you look back and remember, oh yeah, that was to help me try to experience God or I experienced God through that. Um, And we actually need those tangible things to help us remember. We almost do that naturally as human beings. We just don't think a lot of the time that that's what we're doing. So that's the first story. The second story is a really bizarre story. It happens a little bit later in Jacob's uh, life. And it's Jacob wrestling or struggling with God. Or maybe it's an angel Or maybe it's a man, or maybe we don't know. Um, Something important here is that Jacob is not dreaming in this one at all. He's not sleeping, actually. He wrestles all night. And so I wonder, has that ever happened to you where you're wrestling or struggling with something? Probably not with someone, I hope, but struggling with something and you can't sleep, right? And it's it's just keeping you up and you, you keep going. Maybe you can relate to this story through that. I want to read to you a few paragraphs from uh, a study Bible called the New International Version First Century Study Bible, and they have some great uh, details about this particular passage. So I just want to read those paragraphs to you because I think it gives us some good background information about the, um, about the ancient Near East and some of the cultures that are, uh, might have influenced this story or at least influenced how we might read this story. So here's what uh, that uh, study Bible has in some of their notes. There's no more mysterious story in Genesis than Jacob's night encounter with a man. The text raises more questions than it answers. Who was this person? What was he attempting to do? Does he represent something or someone? What were he and Jacob fighting about? Was the stranger trying to prevent Jacob from crossing the river, from meeting his brother, or from entering the promised land? Was Jacob wrestling with himself, his past, his brother, an angel, or God himself? Both ancient and modern commentators do not agree on the precise meaning of the wrestling match. What is clear is that this was Jacob's defining moment as a man, as a patriarch, and as a spiritual being. Many stories of river crossings in the ancient world involved spirits or divine beings. And Jacob was about to cross the river, as you kind of hear alluded to. He's about to cross a river to go and meet his brother, and he's estranged from his brother. They, they're really at odds with one another. Um, so this is just about to happen as a river crossing. Um, so I'll continue reading. Usually the main character had to offer a sacrifice in order to defeat the evil spirit and cross the river. Such mythology seems to be absent from the Jacob story. Jacob wrestled with the man without a clear victory demanded a blessing, received a new name, and walked away injured. Was the stranger intending to frustrate Jacob, give him a blessing, or wound him? The fact that Jacob could not enter the promised land without struggle and pain is an important theme in the story. Jacob's struggle with himself, his brother, his wives, his uncle, the man, the angel, and even God creates the background of Jacob's new identifying name. As noted, the precise meaning of Israel is elusive. But clearly, it is a name born in struggle, just as the future people of Israel would wrestle with their own identity 
struggling to understand God. To be a part of Israel, literally and symbolically, was to struggle with God. This profoundly shaped the religious consciousness of the biblical people. Struggling with God was essential and left the faithful limping. In fact, future blessing, the promised land, could not be separated from struggle. The night match is an essential dimension of the human experience of seeking God. We all have and will have a dark night of the soul. We all have a past. We all have broken relationships. We all stand alone on the shore. We all desire to come home. I thought those paragraphs that I just read, they're kind of long, um, were really helpful for me in understanding a little bit more about this story and what it might mean for us. While it's unclear from the story itself who Jacob actually wrestled, it does seem like Jacob himself interpreted his wrestling at night as struggling with God. And the man he wrestled with sometimes seems to speak and act as God, but sometimes as an angel and sometimes in a way that seems like he couldn't be either. Jacob won't walk away from the wrestling match until his opponent blesses him. This is strange, but maybe there is something to this for us. Maybe in our own struggles, we need to hear, don't give up. Sometimes it really is a struggle. Sometimes you're up all night and sometimes you need to hold on until there is a blessing. And then there's this strange exchange that happens. The opponent of Jacob says, what is your name after Jacob's asked for a blessing? And Jacob answers back, Jacob. And then the man said, you shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with humans and have prevailed. And then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it you asked my name? Naming in the ancient world and maybe still today is about identity truly knowing someone, and it's sometimes about power and control. There is power in naming something or someone. When you rename something or someone, you are reframing or redefining a situation. Jacob is given a new name that describes his relationship with God and people. He strives. He strives and contends with God. Jacob then asks for the name of his wrestling partner. Are they opponents at this stage of the night or are they now partners? But the response from the partner is just, why is it that you ask my name? Maybe Jacob is trying to find some meaning in the wrestling match. Who is this that I'm struggling with? Is it God? As we think about our own experience of God's presence, we might ask the same question. In the midst of the struggle, we may have a sense that we are somehow struggling with God or sometimes against God or maybe in partnership with God. It isn't always clear. See, thin places aren't all staircases connecting heaven and earth with God standing right next to us, promising us beautiful things. And we ask in the midst of whatever we wrestle with, what is this? What is going on? What does this mean? Is there any meaning in this? Will I ever know? How do I control, redefine, or name this experience? Are you in this, God? Is that you? Well, the next day, after his wrestling match, Jacob reaches a conclusion. 
verse 30, it says, So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, For I have seen God face to face, and yet my life is preserved. When you struggle, and then a new day dawns, what conclusion will you reach? Last week, we asked you to try engaging with God through some kind of creative practice. And so I'll encourage you again and remind you to keep a broad definition of creativity. Open yourself to the possibility of meeting God through doing something creative. Maybe it'll be like a dream, maybe idyllic. Sometimes doing something creative is a joy and wonderful. But honestly, sometimes it's a struggle. I know this for myself as a writer that sometimes it's just fantastic and sometimes it just is hard to get the words out as I write. But this week, take time to try and try to imagine God being with you in it, whether it is joy or struggle. Maybe the God of creation will be present to you as you step into some creative practice this week. And so take time to notice the creative activity of the Holy Spirit. Our prayer of intercession this morning is from the Ministry Matters website. Let us pray. Lord God, we've heard the story of Jacob as he wrestled with the angel, how he asked for the angel to bless him. We too come to you for blessing. There are so many times in our lives in which we have felt alienated, downtrodden, alone. It is easy for us to wallow in our misery to whine about all the perceived injustices that have been heaped upon us. But you encourage us to stand strong, to seek the blessings that you've provided for us, to recognize the many ways that you are with us. Give us strength and courage. Be with us, precious Lord. Guide our lives as we have brought prayers before you for those near and dear to us, seeking healing and hope for them. Let us also remember those same mercies are lavished upon us, not because we deserve them, but because of your great and generous love for us. Help us receive these blessings and in turn be a blessing to someone else. For we ask these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen.
Special thanks to Ashley Boychuk for her reading and singing of the psalm, Aaron Whitaker for her tireless work on the liturgy, Wes Keeley for all his technical wizardry and producing the original videos for the series. You can find the video version of Be Still and Behold on the YouTube channel for Prairie Presbyterian Church. Visit prairiechurch.ca to find out more and to get the accompanying PDF. I'm Matt Bruff, pastor at Prairie Presbyterian Church in Winnipeg and host of this, the Spirituality for Ordinary People podcast. Thanks for listening today. Take care.